Racing. It's green light, they're set to go. Green light's on. Set for a start. Kablenz is holding on. Cut glory for Kablenz. But it is all heart style Rico, and he is going to absolutely bolt the Melbourne Cup in. Green light is on for the Green Light On podcast. Yeah, massive podcast this one. Hello and welcome aboard. Uh, this is going to be a big one, I reckon. We're going to catch up with uh, Greyhound trainer and president of the GOTBA, Mr. Greg Doyle. Chat about his involvement in Greyhound racing and his involvement in footy as well, early days. Uh, great man he is, Greg Doyle. So he will have a chat to the podcast. And then Dale Chapman. Now, looking forward to learning a little bit about this uh, young man. He's uh, got a Greyhound flying at the moment downstream. He works for Team Sharp, handling Greyhounds, and, and he's just an all-round good guy. So looking forward forward to chatting to those two boys. Run of the week. There is an honourable mention to run of the week uh, from last Thursday night, June 22 at Sandown Park. Uh, and the honourable mention is for Mapunga Smokey, race two, box number two, because I reckon this greyhound starting to really put it all together. Went 5.20 to the first mark, 18.95 down the back, and then uh, powered up the straight to 29.487. So I think he is definitely one who just looks as if he's now starting to put it all together. And uh, he was the greyhound that was just bombing the start time after time. And then his last couple of runs, he looks as if he's starting to work it out. So I think he looks like a budding 600-metre-plus dog, as the Mapungas so often are. And I think he could be a really nice greyhound to keep an eye on. But the run of the night, how could it not be this boy, Transponder? He was breathtaking again. Racing. Transponder was fair to begin, but it's got plenty of room. Boo Boo Billy won the start. Now Transponder's hustling up on the outside and sails to the lead. Transponder out in front of Lovers Bale and Boo Boo Billy. Tangela Bale covering ground out three wide. They're four or five clear on Lederhosen Boy. Zipping Bronte and last of all was Nelvin Bale, but it's all Transponder and he put a gap on them. He is six in front of Lovers Bale, Boo Boo Billy and Tangela Bale and Transponder smashed them. One by Tangela Bale's been a good run in the end to run it was a second. seriously good run, wasn't it? Because again, he didn't fly the leads, but he went 509-1860. That's Melbourne Cup class sectionals. Uh, brought it home with a 10.52 just to round it out. He is a serious dog. We've been speaking highly about him for some time, but he's just really starting to put it all together. And uh, he is a, he's an exciting greyhound, and he's going to be a dangerous prospect for anyone who comes up against him moving forward. Thursday's preview. So looking ahead now to Thursday night racing in Melbourne Town headquarters. Sandown Park for 12 of the best and two heats of the McKenna. The features, only two heats, which is a little bit of a surprise. I thought the noms might be a bit stronger because we see a lot of 600-metre racing in town now on a on a regular basis. But uh, obviously those uh, not confident of tackling the, the best of the best over the 600 metres, hence the only two heats to uh, to take a look at. Race one kicks off at 14 past six, going with number three to want to pay out on top. I'm just willing to forgive that run at the Meadows last time. Never had any luck and the start prior was good, drawn OK. We'll catch up with Greg Doyle in a moment too to chat about Caesars Palace. Race two, I like number three, Webleck Wolf. The raps have been big on him and uh, look, he's, his provincial form was good. He was placed third in that pink diamond uh, mate and final over the four six at Warrigal and he was showing blistering speed and not really running it out yet he went to Sandown ran awesome sections and then went 29-49 so if he does that here he's going to be mighty hard to beat the Reds obviously the danger Mapunga Sunset but it was amazing 
how Mapunga Sunset could run over the top of Webleek Wolf down at Warrigal and, and produce a quicker time with a better run home, yet they've gone to Sandown, both of them bouncing to the front, and there was five lengths between them. So Webleek Wolf looks to, to really enjoy Sandown Park. Race number three, I'm probably going to have a little place bet on Lakeview Lana number two. I do like the red on an each way uh, Mission Apollo. It's a pretty deep race, though, so... That's the way I'm looking at that one. Race number four, Navarino. Hard to go past him. He was uh, breathtaking to win at the Meadows Saturday night. He, he didn't begin brilliantly, but he just mustered down the outside. He's had a decent run of wide draws, which I think he's, he's really suited to because he gets a chance to build the revs up, uh, and he'll be looking to do that from box number eight here. Race number five, again, beautifully drawn Landon Bale. Should spear to the front, uh, take a whole lot of beating. Dusty Burbsky's going to run off, so... Uh, Landon Bale's going to get all of the chances to do exactly what he did last week. And it was good to see old Yarch, the Melbourne Cup champ. Uh, we're calling him old Yarchie, but uh, he's still only very young. But um, it feels like he's been around forever. Uh, he was a good run. Back to back to some form last start, running second to Landon Bale. But I think it might be a similar result here. Race number six, mix four and five, over the 5.95. Uh, Dark and Spirits was awesome to win here last week. Didn't really spear the lids, but... Got into the race quickly. You then got trending Zara, who's been racing well, showing good speed and drawn well. And the other one that's got a bit of intrigue about it is Whitley Bale, who never really gave the indication she'd be racing over this distance range, but her win last start was awesome. So tough race. You throw in Lakeview Lottie, who almost won one of the staying pink diamond races, and it's a it's a tough one. It is a really hard race. I'm not sure who I'll tip. Uh, trending Zara, maybe if she goes around at a big price from the draw. It's got a, a good form line and it has been jumping well. Uh, race 7. Now, I've noticed nearly every single week in the Watchdog Form Guide that comments on Hector Frawley uh, with an R. His name's Hector Frawley um, and he gets it a lot. A lot of people call him Hector Frawley, but... I don't think it really matters as long as he's in good form, uh, and which he is. He was he was awesome and so stiff to be run down uh, in that champion staying pink diamond. Uh, Moraine Susie, one of the strongest dogs in the country, got right up behind him on that home corner, and I thought his run was full of merit. So I'm willing to take him on top here, Hector Forley. The draw's tricky. If there's one that I like at odds, it's number two, Andre Bale. He's win two starts over the sprint two starts ago was... Red hot. He should go well. Race number eight, then up to the second heat of the McKenna. Um, I'm going to go with Rhino Bale. I thought his run was eye-catching behind Navarino. He was one of the only greyhounds to make ground in that race. 600 metres is a concern with a, a bit of a light workload, but I think if he can bounce in front, get up on the speed, he might take some catching. Race nine, then I'll go with three. Shimastella uh, has been storming home and looks like a bit of a stayer in the makings. Drawn okay in three, should be competitive. Race 10, thought this was a hard, hard race. I think Texas Longhorn's got the speed to lead, and I'm going with the red Tigalong Fly, who I'm hoping, if she steps, can get straight up to leaders back. Race 11, I'm going to go with Mapunga Smokey. Marked him as the greyhound to follow to an extent as the second best run of the week last week. So this is a harder race, though, than what he was against a grade six last time. But he's a greyhound going places. If the price is too short, which I think it may, anything under $2.50, I reckon, could be unders. Might be worth looking elsewhere. And race 12, the last, another tough race. Uh, Aston Figaro, I thought, has been going okay. Lakeview Rosie's been racing competitively. And Ahana Sitdown's one who... Uh, has been kind to us on this show. I'm pretty sure she won when we tipped her on top at a big price, but this race, it's, it's a bit of a raffle. I might go with Aston Figaro, whose form here has been pretty consistent of late. Hunters, hunting club. Not going to lie, um, this is one of those weeks where I'd like to just bank the 50. It's, uh, it's one of those hard punters punting clubs to do. I might go with... I like Landon Bales. I reckon he's going to get a soft lead, so... 
I might just go $25 each way on Landon Bale. The other one that I do like is race two, number three, Webleck Wolf. I think he's he looks like a bit of a Sandown Park dog, and if he steps like he did on Sunday, uh, I think he can win again. And don't forget up in Queensland, heats of the Queensland Cup tomorrow night as well, Thursday night. We see a few strong Victorian charges up there, the likes of Ariane Bale going around in a heat of the Queensland Cup. Uh, Palawa King, Nangar Rocket, there's some really good names up there. Looking forward to seeing how they play out. Moraine Susie, of course, goes around. That is uh, heat three of the Queensland Cup. We're scrolling through them now as we chat, wheel and go. Race four, drawn box number one. Good to see Jess Hopkins, good friend of the show. She's drawn race four, number eight, untapped. Another friend of the show, Dusty Drew's up there. She's just uh, continuing on racing well. Uh, really, really looking forward to those heats. And it's interesting, that's probably taken away from the McKenna, uh, the Queensland Cup and the good prize money that Queensland have on at this time of year uh, because we're seeing a lot of those greyhounds go around in the Queensland Cup that potentially could have dropped back and, and had a look here at the McKenna. And just quickly, we'll go through the Brisbane Cup heats and the Victorian hopes. Well, the first heat, you've got Kai Bale in one, Amron Boy in two. Amron Boy's going to run odds on and be mighty hard to beat. Uh, second heat, Victoria, not Really well represented there. Uh, Mapunga Warriors drawn seven, but that's going to be tough for, for him for the draw. Uh, race eight, track record, breaker, Jay's Jay's drawn box number four. Dundee Rebel, who run, won the recent flying aim, he's drawn box number six. It's a it's an interesting heat of the, uh, the cup. And then on to Postman Pat, this greyhound that if... I think if he wins a... Brisbane Cup, we're definitely going to get a deep dive podcast out of uh, the Postman Pat Camp because he is a, a dead set superstar in the making. Dundee Smoke, he's going to go with him, I reckon, early in that heat, drawn box number two. But I'm hoping the Postman can get the job done because he's a, a serious conveyance. Rejuvenate, stealth go around in race number 10 for the heat of the Brisbane Cup. And they've drawn okay. Four for stealth, we'll look for the rail. Uh, Rejuvenate's probably well suited on the outside of stealth. Just getting a little bit of room to move. Elite Machine, the Star West Aussie in box number two. And then on to the last two. Victor Damien goes around in the uh, the 11th race, second last heat of the night. He'll run the favourite there. Umberto's probably gone to the next level since he's been in Queensland. An old shipwreck drawn box number two for Ned Snow, not without some kind of chance. And then race 12, the Greyhound that uh, I'm getting a bit of a love affair for is Alpha Zulu, and he has drawn perfectly in box number one, last heat of the Brisbane Cup. Kelsey Bale, the star in box four. Her win last start was uh, was massive. So that is the Brisbane Cup racing. It's going to be red, red hot in Queensland Thursday night as well. Inside Info. Well, the next man on the podcast is very, very special for this podcast, I think. His name is Greg Doyle, uh, president of the GOTBA at the moment, Greyhound trainer, former AFL footballer for Melbourne and St Kilda. Let's not forget about those two games. Greggy, thanks for joining me on the podcast, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, James. Thanks for having me. Hey, I appreciate you taking a little bit of a slice of time out of your day. You've been quite busy, you tell me, this week. Uh, yeah, just the just, uh, usual week. Up up and back to Sydney today for a quick meeting. Didn't actually get out of the airport and um, driving out to Sonoma today. Staying in Bendigo tonight, see another customer, and then um, back to race the dog tomorrow night at Sandown. So, um, yeah, just a, just a stock standard week. Hey, no rest for the wicked. Uh, we might start by the GOTBA, which you're currently the president of. Tell me a little bit about uh, that role. Yeah, look, got involved um, two or three years ago, sort of um, had a request. I'd already been involved or got involved in the ICG committee um, that GRV have as a consultant group. And, yeah, it was uh, actually approached by Rob Britton one day and um, asked me to consider coming on the GOTBA committee, which I did a couple of years ago and, and um, 
probably or coming up for I think in October, be two years as president, taking over from from Linton Hogan, who, who did a great job and, and still remains as one of our as one of our vice presidents. So, um, um, and as people would be aware, going on training breeders association, so we sort of represent, I suppose, the interests of the breeders, owners, and, and trainers. We are a volunteer group, and we do rely on you know our members and. Um, and our committee as well to volunteer their time, but our members to, to join. So we certainly encourage everyone who's not a member to, to join. It's only $60 for a single and 100 for a double for five years. So it's not um, not ridiculous. And um, it's amazing how many people tend to ring us when they've got an issue, but they're not members and all of a sudden they join. So um, yeah, so um, yeah, we'd encourage everyone to, to join and and. Um, but we can, we'll help them out. You've always seemingly been really passionate. Do you think that's something that you've been able to, I, I guess, a trait you've had throughout your life with everything you sort of apply yourself to, you seem to give 100%. You've really made big inroads, I think, and you've made big steps for the GOTBA and the partnership between the GOTBA and GRV. And I think that's a lot of that is based by or based upon your hard work and passion that you have for the sport of greyhound racing. Yeah, I, look, I think so, and I think every, just about everyone who's involved in the sport's passionate about it. You know, we, we, uh, you know, we always love having a winner, but there's a lot of hard, hard work, as we know, and a lot of aspects to it that you know, there's some disappointments, um, as we all are aware as well. So you know, we're all passionate about it. And certainly, I am, and my view is, that, and and not just myself, those those that are on the committee as well, you know, who, who support me in my role. But I've always been a big believer if I'm going to do something. You've got to try and um, uh, make a difference or have an impact. I, I'm not a believer of doing something um, uh, for tokenism. So um, whether that was when I was coaching footy, playing footy, um, being involved in the GOTBA, my role, you know, I'm national sales manager of a business turning over $50 million. So, um, you know, I try and make sure that, you know, the staff are successful as well because um, that creates success for our business. So, um, yeah, I think that just that, um, mentality uh, carries through and um, yeah sort of seeing where we're at two or three years ago you know, the GOTBA with GRV and that relationship um, I wanted to sort of you know try and mend that a little bit and, and you know we've, we've got a bit of a way to go but um, certainly well, I think we've got a much better relationship and I could pick up the phone to Peter Duncan or Stuart Lang or or Paul Searle or whoever it needs to be and, and have a have a um, a decent conversation about whatever that subject might be. Fantastic. Okay, let's go back to the start. Uh, a little bit of This Is Your Life with Greg Doyle here on the Green Light on Premier Racing Podcast uh, <laughs> episode. What are we? I think 149 or something like that. But, Greggy, uh, let's go back to the early days, mate. Uh, you played football for St Kilda and for Melbourne. Tell me a little bit about that. 31 games, 17 goals, so half a goal per game. Not a bad strike rate. Um, yeah, well, we're just in Kilda, um, actually, before the draft, um, actually, well, grew up in Springvale, grew up 400 metres from seeing our dog track. So, um, it might be obviously a bit of a connection why I end up in the dogs. But, um, yeah, ended up in St Kilda. Um, Springvale was actually South Melbourne's um, zone, but obviously they moved to Sydney. Um, so, it became a bit like in Slather. So, I ended up at St Kilda, played under 19s, couple of games there. Um, had a couple of blokes in the side called Tony Lockett and Stuart Lowe. <laughs> played played a couple of positions that I played, which um which made it difficult. But um actually I never got delisted from Secure. Actually, yeah, just sort of had a bit of a falling out with someone who was involved in the coaching staff, and um and actually left and, and stayed on the list um in 1991. But yeah, went and had a had a year at Dandenong in the VFA under Tony Elshaw, and we went, you know we we're lucky enough to win the premiership, um, knocking off Werribee, and um, got halfway through the next year actually got 
drafted back to Melbourne um, in the mid-season draft, which obviously has been been um, been uh, reignited over the last couple of years. The old mid-season draft, but yeah, back in '92, got drafted number two to Melbourne. Um, which in hindsight, yeah, you, you, the old sliding doors moment. I'd actually trained at Richmond uh, for a couple of weeks um, before that, and. Um, they were going to draft me the week before the mid-season draft. Melbourne and Richmond played each other. Richmond actually won, so they swapped spots on the ladder. So Melbourne had to pick before Richmond, so I ended up at Melbourne. So, um, who had a pretty good list at the time with a lot of injuries. So, I had Gary Lyon and David Swartz and Jim Steins and David Neeks was coming through. So, a lot, you know, a, a lot of competition for the spots where I played. But yeah, in, anyway, I ended up there from '92 to '96 and, and got another 29 games in. So. I'm just reading here um, on the free encyclopedia that is Wikipedia. Tell me if these uh, precise. Height, 190 centimetres. Yeah, that's... I uh, haven't started shrinking yet, so that's probably still current. <laughs> and is, is this playing weight or current weight? Uh, 101 kilos. That's... Well, that wasn't... That was, I'll be honest, that wasn't even my playing weight. I played at 106, 107. <laughs> that is definitely not current weight, um, which I need to be doing something about. And no. we won't reveal what that is, but no. it's, um, yeah, it's a fair bit higher than that. Moving on, um, I, I guess, what, what have you been able to use as a, as a tool from being an AFL footballer and con- competing at the top level to now being a greyhound trainer, um, which we, we'll chat about the greyhound that you've got at Sandown Park uh, Racing Race 1, number one, in just a moment. Have you been able to take something or, or numerous things from competing at that top level and now training greyhounds and, and trying to get to that top level as well? I think, I think for me, and it's not... You can, I've coached obviously footy as well, and I think with with greyhounds, I think the thing for me is it's not you know there's physical ability, um, and that and this goes on all walks of life. This goes with work. There's you know there's a physical application, but then there's the psychological side. And for me, you know, training greyhounds and coaching footballers um, or playing was was much about the mental side. Um, you know, we're all given. God-given ability or potential, um, which is physical, and that you know that can be a, a, as a footballer or, or a greyhound. The greyhound's physical capabilities are what they're capable of, but then it's the ability um, from the psychological point of view to try and get that person or that dog to um, perform to its ability or its highest ability more often than not, um, or, or have a smaller gap between its best and its worst sort of thing. So, um, so for me, you know. I, I don't have a big property. I've got a, I've got a suburban block. Um, you know, the dogs sometimes they free gallop, but they get walked around the block. I do different things: take them coursing, take them lang lang, and put them behind the drag. Um, you know, um, so trying to you know stimulate the mental side. Um, and I think that relates to, to the dogs, but it also relates to people as well. Hey, great insight into your coaching days. I'm just picturing you at the boxes at Sandown on Thursday night with Caesar Palace, giving sort of a, a halftime pump up. You know, you've got to you've got to get out there and beat these guys. You, you've got to give a hundred percent. Is that is that what you do before the uh, the lids open? <laughs> we, we did. I do give the dogs a little pep talk every now and then. But it's, <laughs> It's hard. Sandown's an interesting one because I still live in Mulgrave, so it only takes me about eight minutes to get to the track. So it's not a long discussion um, (laughs) traveling to the track. But even for him, like to use him as an example, um, so I had him for a start. Mark and Lisa Dobridge took him and took some of my dogs, which I really appreciate, and still got a couple of those because I had too many. so and I got him back, and, and they weren't giving him a stir up because he's a terrible box dog, and he's just been very hard to get out of the habit. Um, he just sits back in the boxes. 
But last Sunday, I decided, you know what, I'm going to give him a stir up today and just see if we get a change, you know. So, again, just something different for the dog. And and um, he's not blessed with brilliant early pace, but he jumped quick enough to be able to get through and hold the lead. So um, I'll probably go with that again um, tomorrow tomorrow night. But, um, you know, it, it might have the adverse effect. And that's why, you know, sometimes you might do it for two or three or four, four runs and then you might go back to no stir up and, and things like that. So, um yeah, we'll, 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 we'll know after about 50 metres tomorrow night. I suppose, too, as a coach of a football side, you do have to treat all of the players differently and and know each of their strengths and their weaknesses, and I suppose it's probably the same with the, the Greyhounds. But, mate, how did how did you get involved in Greyhound racing? You said you grew up roughly 400 metres from the track. Was it, I guess, a, an interest that was first sparked by the punt and, and just going and enjoying racing as a fan? I I remember, I remember, I could hear the greyhounds being called when the wind was blowing um, in the right direction. And Bill Collins used to call. Show my age a bit now, James. Bill Collins used to actually call the greyhounds at Sandown back then. Uh, 50, and, 52 uh, according to Wikipedia, by the way, Greg. <laughs> I remember, I, I remember the first time I actually decided to go up and see what was going on up there. I actually rode my bike up and I stood on the frame and, and there was an old um, green raw iron fence at, at the back of the old, the, before they rebuilt the track now. Um, you could, you know, the street that sort of finishes at the back of the, where the kennels are now used to go all the way through and you know, just rode up and stood on the frame of my bike and thought, oh, what are all these bright lights and what's going on here? And, and yeah, sort of sparked the interest and, and obviously living so close. Um, but got involved probably when I was about 17. My uncle had been travelling all over Australia and um, he'd come back and he'd had dogs you know, back in the 60s, I think, had a couple of good dogs up in New South Wales and decided to, to buy a... Uh, by a bitch from um, for Lenny Cottrell, actually, at, at down at Pearsdale, and um, she wasn't much good, but she she threw some pups that actually could run a little bit. So that was uh, that was probably the start of it. Um, you know, way back, you know, in the late late eighties, I suppose. And I trained my first winner in um, from another uh, another pup I bought from Lenny from from another litter, um, Wild Poppy. She won her first race at Wangaratta, and I was actually there. I was playing footy. At, in the Melbourne Reserves that, that day and a mate put her up for me and then um, um, I thought, oh, well, she won and we whacked her in at Sandown on the Thursday. I walked her to the track, so I don't think too many people <laughs> claim that they walked their first city winner to the track, but, yeah, she jumped to the front and won by 10 lengths over the 700 and um, it was probably why I love the dogs, but I sort of love the stayers. Um, always had a passion for, for the staying side, of, staying side of the races. Hey, I reckon they could make just about a movie uh, about you and your uh, greyhound training career and the stories. I, I've just I've just pictured that you standing up on the bike frame and falling in love with greyhound racing at first sight. And here you are, many moons later, mate, uh, hoping to train a metropolitan winner at Sandown Park. How do you rate Caesar's Palace? You said he can be a bit hit or miss. He's drawn race one, number one. Um, there's a couple of decent greyhounds in the race to want to pay out. Showed a fair amount of ability. Maximum Smiles was placed on Sunday, and Wild Cash has been consistent. How do you how do you break this down? Are you happy with the red? Are you happy with the chances, I am. He's. I mean, he's. I mean, look, my breed. You know, one thing they do is they they all try pretty hard. Um, he's no exception. So you know, even while they're limited, they try. And he's looking. He's he's having to push on the rail. So the key will be how he comes out. If you can jump, I mean, you know, some of those dogs have got a bit early speed. But you know, he ran nine thirty five last week, which might be around the mark if he can do that again, or even improve another half a length or length hold the rail and give himself a chance. So, um, yeah, look, you know, um, he, he, I don't think he's going to come from behind, although I think he's, he's getting um, he's getting a little bit stronger, even though he's had a few goes over, over it. Uh, a bit like me, James, I've got him back and 
it was the same weight for the first three or four weeks, and then um, he actually got a little bit cooked just for a couple of days, and and um, <laughs> within a week and a half, and I didn't sort of change too much. He he, he put on a kilo, and I've been struggling to get the weight off him, which sounds a little bit like myself. <laughs> so, <And> me. <laughs> um, so um, I am actually just trying to get him sort of back down into the low thirties. I think when I do that, you'll actually run it out a little bit better as well. So I'm interested to see what he weighs tomorrow night, because um, obviously you can't you can't do it too quick. So yeah, look, he should he should be competitive. He'll he'll try his hardest, and he doesn't mind being on the rails. So um, and it'd be nice to have. A, I think my last city winner was May. 2020 with uh, Kiara when she was over four years old, another dog that could obviously stay. So um, yeah, it'd be nice to nice to get another one. But um, I'll certainly uh, I'll be um, hopeful more than confident. Put it that way. A little bit further down the road uh, now, living in Mulgrave, you don't walk the dog to Sandown for this Metro win. Uh, no, it's a little, little, little bit far, little bit far. Although I'm only, you know, most people, you know, trainers who come by the the freeway would come straight down Springvale Road, so they'd be not far from my place. I live just off off Springvale Road there, where the big junction is. Um, so um, yeah, a little, little bit too far to walk, walk the dog around. But uh, certainly where I was before, it was a perfect little walk um, up to the track and 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 back. Um, but. Uh, um, yeah, that was a, a nice little, nice little story. It'd actually be even easier now from where I used to live because they put the kennel at the other end, so <laughs> even shorter. Even even shorter walk. No, that's all right. But what's the what's the future hold for you, Greg? You've done plenty, mate, in the fifty-two years you've been uh, spinning around the sun. What's uh, what's up next for Greg Doyle? Oh, geez, look, the, you know, where I'm working now, I've been in the business um, eighteen years in a couple of days, so. Um, from a work perspective, probably probably not going too far. I mean, we've got we've got a, a good business, and we're acquiring acquiring other businesses, and it's, it's only growing, which is sort of putting a bit of pressure on the greyhound training side of things. Um, you know, and and there's no doubt, I, you know, as, as much as I said, I try and you know try and do it as well by the dogs as I can. You know, are they compromised slightly? You know, pr- probably, and I'm, I'm certainly aware of that. And and um, you know, I'd lo- love to be able to put a bit more time, but I certainly spend a lot of time on the weekends. I've nominated a dog for Ballarat Saturday morning. Obviously, the Saturday morning meetings are fantastic, and it's a little bit harder in the winter when it's daylight savings. You can get home and get the dogs to to the, the slipping track at Cranbourne and, and do a little bit more with them. It's a little bit harder in the winter when it's getting dark um, so much earlier with, with work. But, um, look, we'll continue with the GOTBA at this, at this point as long as um, the committee and, and the members are happy to keep me. I, I'd imagine I'd, I'd certainly probably do at least another year of, as president. We've sort of got a, a few things we want to try and finish off with GRV and get a, get a few more changes um, and resolutions around, you know, track safety and track surfaces. Some of the participants would see that they're now putting the track ratings up at the meetings. Um we're trying to, and hopefully it will happen soon, that the um, the clubs will put their track ratings up at trial sessions as well, things like that. Um, yeah, but there's little things that people don't see that we're always doing. I mean, even the Pink Diamond, uh, originally there was only going to be breeder bonuses from first to fourth, and we really impressed upon GRV that we thought, given it's a celebration of Victorian breeding and and and, and what it means that you know every breeder who has a runner on the night should should be rewarded. So you know it's only small, but two hundred and fifty dollars from fifth to eighth um, across all the races. So there's $12,000 added to the, the pink diamond money. It went straight to breeders. The little things like that. There's all these conversations going on in the background that we don't advertise. And you know, sometimes people wonder what the GOTBA is doing. But if they, if they actually knew, um, and you know, even spoke to some of the people at GRV who are getting harassed by us all the time, um, they'd know that we're, we're always trying to you know, make improvements where we can. 
Well, mate, you're a busy, wanted man. I can hear that phone vibrating away in the background, so we'll let you run. Appreciate your time. It's been a great chat to, to get to know you here on the podcast, Greg. So good luck with Thursday and, uh, yeah, the future as well. Keep on kicking goals. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. Inside Info. Downstream getting a little tired now, but the race is all over just. Downstream got very tired. Won it by well, there we go. Downstream getting very tired, but getting the job done. And Downstream's owner, uh, Dale Chapman, has been good enough to jump on the pod for a little bit of a yarn. Dale, how are you, my friend? Very good, James. Thanks for having me on, mate. Hey, the theme of this podcast is hardworking men. We've had Greg Doyle on uh, prior to you. Now yourself, Dale. Every track that I seem to be going to, you're working at, uh, working hard. But uh, before we get to that, Downstream last week... Uh, the Meadows. That must have been a nice race to watch. You got a mile in front, your boy, and just did enough to cling on and win. Yeah, it was a massive thrill, mate. Um, yeah, having my own dog in town. I wasn't too confident because he hasn't probably been going his best his last three or four starts. But um, yeah, as he finished a break down the back, I thought, yeah, he's a, he's a big chance here. And um, there wasn't the strongest dog log behind him. So he just had to had to find a little, little bit on the home corner. And lucky enough, he just had a big enough break. So, yeah, it was a massive thrill for him to hey, get the job done. How did, you, how did you first get involved in greyhound racing? Um, so I've been hosting poker events for 16 years now, would you believe? But um, So when I was 18, I um, met a good friend through poker down in Port Arlington. She was a dog trainer at the time. So that's my first introduction to the game back then. Uh, I sort of just owned a few dogs here and there. She helped me out. There's the right one to buy, and um, yeah, it's just a bit of fun until, you know, the last sort of eight, nine years been more hands-on and stuff, and yeah, going to the track for the Sharps, it's been, um, yeah, it is obviously, so yeah, it's been great. And what, what is your role at uh, Team Sharp? Is it mainly just racing? Yeah, well, given that I'm still doing the other job, I'm primarily just going racing, you know, two or three times a week, whatever it is, so a bit hard to do all three, can all work and do the poker and, and do the tracks, they're, they're long days when you go racing, so... Nah, that's, that's what I enjoy doing is, is going to the races and um, the boys are doing hard yards at the kennels most of the time. Yeah, yes, um, yeah, it's just great. It's a team effort and, yeah, they do a great job with the dogs. Hey, tell, me, tell me a little bit more about this poker. It's something I've been uh, no good at, but I'm not educated. Tell me a little bit more about it. Uh, yes, let's just start in Texas Hold'em. You start with two cards in your hand and five on the board and you make your best five cards, so... The games I run are all tournaments with various different buy-ins, and um, it's more of a social thing where, you know, we've got plenty of regulars that follow it around from night to night. So we've got 15 games a week in Geelong, which people would be shocked to hear. So it's yeah, every day of the week sort of stuff and, um, you know, afternoon, night games, and people just have a lot of fun. And at the end of the day, you can win a bit of money as well. And if you want to go to the next level, we've got competitions where you can qualify for those. And, yeah, it's just yeah, it's great. So, mate, you're the you're the bloke in the suit on the other side of the table as the dealer. Is that your your role? Uh, yeah, pretty much. So I do all the setup, take, take um, all the money, you know, do all that, just direct the tournament. And if you're lucky enough to make it to the final table, I deal that. So, show me dealing skills at the end of the night. So, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a, a few different things you do throughout the night. But yeah, you deal with a few different characters, but it's it's all good fun. Yeah. It's something I enjoy doing. It's all it's different every day, so it's great. Yeah, for sure. It reminds me a little bit of race calling. I, I love the job because you turn up and even though you're doing the same type of role, it's it's like you say, it's different every time you you, you do it. But um, do you do you ever play yourself, or you you're more on the dealing side of things? Um, no, I still play a fair bit. Uh, not as probably much as I used to, but um, yeah, I, I do I do enjoy um, traveling a bit and um, playing when I get the chance. So yeah plan another trip coming up so hopefully I can win a bit of cash there in um, the Gold Coast so yeah it's um, my role sort of I can go and play or work so it's a bit of a mix of both but um, 
Yeah, I've been to the World Series of Poker in America. Went there for six weeks in 2013 with a couple of mates, and that was yeah, a different experience over there. But no, it was, it's great. So just massive poker is huge in America. So yeah, it was just um, a great experience and something that I'll remember forever for sure. As I say, mate, I'm poorly educated when it comes to poker, but um, who would be the most well-known poker player that you've played with? Have you played with any big names? Oh, I've played with a couple in the same tournaments, uh, on the same table. I actually played with Jane Warren once oh, or twice. and then um, I know him. <laughs> uh, the big names like uh, Daniel Negrano and stuff over in America. One of my best mates is actually one of the best players in the world, would you believe? So I grew up learning the game with him, and he sort of took it to the next level. But, um, yeah, so there's been a few over the years, but, yeah, very really huge names that, other than those ones that I can point out. What, uh, what makes a good poker player, though? And I, look, I didn't expect this green light on Premier Racing podcast chat would end up where it has, but I, I love the fact that it has, Dale. What makes a good yeah. poker player? Because a greyhound has to run fast, obviously, to be the best. Um, you can't help what cards you get as a, as a poker player. Is that correct? So you, is it poker no. face or, or knowing the game inside out so that you make the right decision at, at every moment? Uh, well, in tournament poker, it's definitely, you know, it's a game of discipline. You've got to be patient. Where some people can't sit there for a long periods of time and they just sort of blow up with their stack. But yeah, obviously you get your cards face down. So your opponents are just betting on what your range looks like and how you're betting, your betting patterns are. So sometimes you can be bluffing and sometimes you can have nuts, which is mixing your range up there. So um, that's the element of the game, which is the skill. And then there's a the luck aspect of what you actually get dealt. And if you get all in and call, you've got to tailor your cards. So there's, and the ball runs out with the five cards. So there's, that's the element of luck. But there's plenty of skill involved with these non showdown pots which is where you just bet and take the pot so unless you have to show your hand at showdown on the river so that's the skill aspect of it which tournament poker there's plenty of that so yeah it's um it's a very fun game and like it's it's different every day which is what i mentioned before about hosting games but playing the game is just like you know, it's never-ending of just, like, things you learn along the way. So, yeah, it's very good. Hey, you lost me at uh, when the cards go down by the river or whatever that was. But uh, let's let's have a chat about something <laughs> I'm a little bit more familiar with. Downstream. Yep. Race, uh, that sounds like it's maybe uh, some kind of card name as well. I'm not too sure. But uh, race <laughs> 11, box number one. Again, drawn the inside. One last time at the Meadows from the Red. Firstly, is that name to do with poker or am I uh, barking up the wrong tree this time? Uh, no, that's up the wrong tree, but it's a funny story. Um, I've got um, my brother and a couple of friends involved in this dog, and it's the, the first time owners so that have had a massive thrill with this dog. And they were on a, a, a punters club trip, uh, and the, one of the guys were on a, on a rowing boat, and the guy was saying, this is your upstreams and downstreams. So they had an absolute was a laugh over that for days and end, so that's why he's called downstream. So that's, <laughs> that's the story behind that. But no, it's something they talk about all the time and just get a laugh out of it. Something with the boys there, but no, um, he's got the cherry draw again, two in a row in town, which is not not always what you get. But um, he had 13 starts in a row where he's drawn box five out, and for a dog that doesn't like to go around dogs, he's always trying to go for the inside run. It's a crucial box draw, that's for sure. And um, looking at the race, that Yarrow Bale really wants to hook wide, especially at the first corner, so he's going to get every chance to lob in the top three, I think. So, but yeah, there's obviously a couple of really good dogs in the race, like Spokey and all that. So, um, yeah, in saying that, there's a few 5.30 dogs in the race, so we'll have to hope he can get a good lead again. But um, he's going to have to have a big lead again, otherwise he's going to get gobbled up late by some of these stronger types. But. I think I missed a key moment. I should have said last week at the Meadows, downstream's paddling late. Yeah, that would have been very good, actually. I didn't think that. <laughs> you just said that now. But, um, that would have been spot on, that's for sure. 
Hey, it's been great having a chat, Dale. Good luck with Downstream. Uh, and, of course, good luck with the poker. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, just keep on getting winners uh, on the poker table and on the Greyhound track. No, I appreciate it, James. Thanks for having me. That's all for this ep. Hope you've enjoyed it. It's been uh, great chatting to those two boys. I, I never, ever thought on this podcast uh, when I started to hit the record button we'd be getting so in-depth uh, when it comes to poker. But I've learned a few things. I've enjoyed it. It's been a long episode. Hope you've enjoyed it at home. Safe travelling. Happy putting. What are you really gambling with? Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au for free support.